Welcome to This One Thing with Carrie Kenyon Dern. One verse, one truth, one choice. Hello, and welcome once again to This One Thing. I'm Carrie Kenyon Dern, and I'm so grateful to have you here with me this week. This week, we're going to be in Revelation chapter 3, verse 8. And the Lord put this verse on my heart because he brought to my attention that I keep having a conversation over and over again, not just with clients in the counseling office, but also with my dearest friends. And maybe like a lot of my clients and friends, you find yourself in a crossroads. You find yourself faced with decisions that you're not sure which which pathway to take, the right or the left fork in the pathway, if you will. We often are in crossroads in life, and we want to know God's will. We want to know what he wants us to do. And I'm so grateful for the scripture actually being the light and the lamp for our pathway. We can know God's will because he reveals himself to us through his word. So my heart is that this week would be an encouragement specifically to those of you that are wanting God's direction in your life. Whether you feel like you're in a very significant season change or there's just a specific decision that you're needing to make in your life personally or for your family in the near future. This week we're going to be in Revelation chapter 3, specifically verse 8, but I do want to spend a little bit of time in verse 7 as well just so that we understand the context of this verse. So Revelation chapter 3 verse 8 says this, I know all the things you do, and I've opened a door for you that no one can close. You have little strength, and yet you obeyed my word, and you did not deny me. I don't know about you, but I just have to read that verse, and I'm encouraged that God knows us that well, that he sees everything we do, that he's going to open a door for us that nobody can close, and he recognizes that we don't have a lot of strength in and of ourselves but he is looking to us to be obedient to him and to not deny him, not only through our words, but through our lifestyle. So let me back up just a little bit. Let's also look at verse seven. Verse seven says this, write this letter to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. This is the message from the one who is holy and true. The one who holds the key of David, what he opens no one can close. And what he closes, no one can open. So if you haven't read the book of Revelation recently, it might be helpful to have this reminder that chapters two and three are all letters to the churches. There are seven churches that are being addressed. The church at Philadelphia is the sixth church in seven letters. And interestingly enough, this church at Philadelphia is the only church that is not receiving either a firm warning or strong complaints against it. So all of the churches are having complaints brought against them, except for Smyrna. Smyrna is getting a strong reminder not to fall into the temptation of discouragement with all of the trials and tribulations that they're facing, and they're being reminded of promises that have been made to them. What I find interesting is that this letter to the church at Philadelphia is the only letter addressed to 
any of these seven churches that is just written for the sake of saying, keep on keeping on, keep doing what you're doing, be encouraged and stay strong in the Lord. So this message from the one who is holy and true is Again, in verse seven, a reminder to the church in Philadelphia that the God that they are serving is the only one true God. I want you to keep in mind that the culture they lived in, in this great culture, they were surrounded by hundreds of pagan gods that were being worshipped. There were little G gods all over the place that were being worshipped. And this is a reminder to the church that this message comes from the one true God. This isn't true versus false. This is real versus fake. The real God, the one true God. And what he opens, no one can close. What he closes, no one can open. Now, how is this possible? It says, because he's the one who holds the key of David. This key of David is significant. We need to know what this means. So to know what the key of David is, we have to go back to Isaiah chapter 22, verse 22. In this verse, we are told what the key of David is. It says, I will give him the key to the house of David, the highest position in the royal court. When he opens doors, no one will be able to close them. And when he closes doors, no one will be able to open them. So that is the context of our verse of the week. It's a message of encouragement to the Church of Philadelphia. So it's a message of encouragement to those of us that are seeking to be true and steadfast in our faith, that want to live out the gospel of Jesus Christ through our lives. This is not a message to people that are in known sin and rebellion. This is a message to those of you that are seeking to follow the Lord, are looking for his direction, are looking for his promises to be fulfilled in and through your life. So again, let me read the verse. I know all the things you do, and I have opened a door for you that no one can close. You have little strength, yet you have obeyed my word and you did not deny me. So Again, we know that this door that's being opened is a reference back to Isaiah 22, verse 22. But it's also significant that we remember that in the New Testament, a reference to an open door almost always speaks of an evangelistic opportunity. That means it's an opportunity for us to spread the gospel, to take God's word out. So we could look at 1 Corinthians 16 verse 9, 2 Corinthians 2 12, Colossians 4 3. All of these passages speak to the open door. And so what this passage is saying, our verse of the week starts out by saying, I know everything you're doing In other words, you're doing your very best. I have opened a door for you that no one can close. And it's really important that we enter into this passage with humility saying the doors that he opens are first and foremost about his kingdom, about his glory, about his gospel message going out, about his kingdom being fulfilled. And every single one of us that have said yes to Jesus, he has a door of opportunity that he wants to open to us. This is irregardless of what our job is or what we consider our position in life to be. 
You know, Charles Spurgeon, the famous preacher, has this really famous conversation with a man who walked up to him after he preached one day. And he said, you know, Charles Spurgeon, I need to know how God could open a door in my life. And Spurgeon said, well, what do you do? And he says, well, I drive a train. And Spurgeon says to him, well, who shovels coal on your train? And the guy says, I I don't know. I I don't know who shovels the coal. And so Spurgeon says to him, well, go find him. Go find the guy who shovels the coal on your train and tell him about Jesus. So it's really clear that this passage isn't talking about, hey, if you have a formal ministry in a church or parachurch, this is all of us have a door that God wants to open through our lives to glorify himself and to send his word out. That is a promise. And so nobody is exempt. You can't say, well, I just work at a bank, or I just work in a classroom, or I work behind a computer in a cubicle all day. We need to be looking for the opportunities and say, God, where is the open door? Now, the other encouragement that comes through this is sometimes we feel like a door is closed, don't we? I recently had a conversation with my best friend, and she had applied for a position and was denied the position. And she was fighting with a little bit of discouragement. She said, I'm I'm trying not to be discouraged, but I really wanted the job. And I immediately got excited. And I brought this verse up to her. And I said, but sweetheart, don't you understand? Because that door wasn't opened, he's preparing you for the door that he's about to open to you. So even the closed doors can be encouraging when we recognize we serve the one who is holy and true, the one true God. Everything that is open to us is open through him. Anything that is closed to us is not a punishment or God being unkind. It's so that we are prepared and we are ready and we are available for the open door that he is about to bring us. Now, the second part of this verse, you have little strength. It's not actually talking about physical strength. This is a picture in the Greek of supernatural strength. So the Greek word here for strength is dunamis. And it's this miraculous, powerful, mighty deeds or works being done through us. So what Jesus is saying to us through John's vision here is, I know you don't have a lot of powerful, miraculous strength in and of yourself. And that acknowledgement is very, very important because when we acknowledge that we are turning ourselves over, we are surrendering ourselves to his strength, which is real strength. So this is not implying weakness on our part, but it's implying that we know that our real strength is found in him. It's this beautiful poverty of spirit, you might call it spiritually, so that we are always aware that we need God's strength in our lives. So the Apostle Paul would be a great example of this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 7 through 10, he talks about the weakness in his flesh and how he is strong in his weakness because God can be glorified and powerful and strong through his weakness. So that's what our verse is saying here. Not only am I the one who opens the doors, these ministry opportunity doors, wherever you find yourself, Even at the grocery store, even when you're filling your car with gas, he wants to open doors of opportunity for us to share who he is to the world. He's saying, recognize that you have little strength so that you are dependent on my strength. And then the third part of this verse, you have obeyed my word and you didn't deny me. 
So this commitment to being faithful to his word and not denying him, and this is not just the words, our utterances, or our verbal allegiances, but it's also in how we live. This is a reminder and Jesus saying, what's important to me is that you live in such a way that you are showing the world that I am your priority. Not denying him means living in such a way that you are mirroring the gospel, mirroring who he is to the world. So as I see it, this is a three-part truth in one verse. First of all, there's a promise to us as it is made to the church in Philadelphia There are evangelistic opportunities, open doors set before us, and he wants to show us what they are, but it means we need to be patient and we need to wait and we need to even say thank you for the closed doors, not getting discouraged, not believing the lie that he's not going to show up and open the door, but saying, God, thank you for closing that door because you closed it. I acknowledge that you closed it and you're about to open an opportunity for me, whether it's a job or a position or an opportunity or a conversation, you're about to open a door for me and I would not be available to the open door if you had not shut this door. The second thing we see in this verse is this absolute need to be reliant on God. Say, God, I have little strength, but your supernatural strength through me avails me to every opportunity that you put in my life. This reminds me of when we were in Romans 8, 11, just a few weeks ago. We have the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead alive inside of us. And that's what this verse is saying. We must be reliant on his power. And then thirdly, faithfulness to him. We keep his word. We don't deny him. We live in such a way that mirrors his word to the world. Because what this passage is saying is this is what he cares about. This is what Jesus looks at and calls success. You know, even those of us that would say we're passionate followers of Jesus Christ, it's so easy to get caught up in what the world deems as success and achievement. It's easy to look at the big buildings and the numbers, and maybe you're in full-time ministry like me. It's easy to look at followers and how many people are listening or how much money is coming in. And I want to encourage all of you out there, regardless of your position, your job title, the opportunities that are coming to you and what you view them to be, whether big or small, that God doesn't care. Jesus doesn't care about numbers, about likes, about followers. He doesn't care how many people download your podcast or how big your church is or how many people attend, how many tickets are sold or how much money you have coming in. What he cares about are these two things, that you are faithful to me. And that you have not denied my name, both in word and lifestyle. He wants us to show our commitment to him, our faithfulness to him through the way that we live. That is a success in his eyes. So how might we choose to apply this verse? Well, I I can think of countless times in my life that God has closed a door. I, I remember years and years ago, I had been working for John Maxwell out in Atlanta, Georgia, and that position came to an end. And I had moved all the way across the country from Portland, Oregon to Atlanta, Georgia. And 
when the position ended, I, I remember so distinctly sitting in my house on the floor in Atlanta, Georgia, going, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. And he asked me to apply this verse. He said, Carrie, I don't want you to promote yourself. I don't want you to market yourself. I don't want you to raise support. I want you to wait on me. And I want you to watch me open the door. So shortly after I left that position, I was pursued by a very, very large Christian ministry. If I said the name of it, you would recognize it. And they were considering me to be their director of women's ministry at a national level. And they flew me to Nashville and it went from 500 applicants down to two. And I was in the final two and I was so excited. And I said, okay, Lord, this is why you've shut the door for me working for John Maxwell. It's for this door to be opened. And then I just remember the blow and I felt like somebody punched me in the stomach the day I got the call and they said, we're so sorry. We went with the other woman. And so again, I found myself on the floor in Atlanta, Georgia going, God, I, I don't know what to do. I didn't ask for my position to end and I sat on the floor and you told me to wait and not market or promote myself. And I got the call from this very large ministry and I thought that was the door that you were going to open. What do you want me to do now? And he said the same thing to me. He said, he said, I want you to wait. I don't want you to market yourself, promote yourself, and I don't want you to raise money. I want you to wait. And as I waited on him, speaking engagements started coming in. And to me, it felt like out of nowhere. I'm like, I, I don't know how these people are finding me because I'm, I'm not advertising. And for several years there, I was speaking three, four times a month all around the country. God opened a door for me to speak his word. And I didn't open the door. In fact, I would have no idea how to open that door. But I also didn't understand at the time why he closed the doors that he did. And so today, if you find a door closed in your life, I want you to be encouraged. The open door's coming. I want you to choose with me to claim this verse in Revelation chapter 3, verse 8. This is your verse. Claim this verse. God, thank you for shutting the door. I recognize that you're about to open a door to me and it's not just about me. It's not just about income. It's not just about opportunity, God. This is ultimately a door that you're going to open for your kingdom to be fulfilled through my life. I realize that I have little strength, but you have all the strength that I would ever need. And so in this place of waiting for you to open the next door, God, I am going to remain faithful to you, to your word. I'm going to not only be faithful to you with the words I speak, but also with how I live. I have so many times experienced this passage. I'm walking through this open door, shut door place with so many clients. So this week, I encourage you, wherever you're at with the open and closed doors in your life, to choose to grab a hold of the three truths of this passage. Again, it's an evangelistic opportunity. That's what the door represents. We need to be reliant on him, recognizing we have little strength and stay faithful to him, not denying him and say, God, thank you for the doors when you close them. And God, I'm looking for you to open the door to me. So as we close, I want you to imagine what an open door might look like. If the door is open, that means I'm not pounding on it. I'm not forcing it. I'm not grabbing a massive hammer and trying to beat the door down. We will know God's will. We will know the door that is open because we will be able to walk through it without manipulating it, without coercing the door to open. 
So if you are out there today and you're saying, Carrie, what is God's will for my life? I would say to you, based on this passage, look for the door that is open and you walk through the door until it is closed. So imagine, if you will, a series of doors. So for example, let's say you're applying for a job and God puts it on your heart that this is a potential opportunity that is for your good, but ultimately a way that you could glorify him through your life. Apply for the job. If you get called back, go to the second round of interviews. You keep walking through the door until the door is shut. And if the door does not shut, then you can say, God, thank you for opening this door to me. I will neither shut doors out of fear, but I will neither force doors open because you are the one who holds the keys of David. You open what no one can shut and you shut what no one can open. I pray that you will continue to meditate on verses seven and eight of Revelation chapter three. And I pray that this has been an encouragement to your heart as it's been to mine, that we can trust him in these seasons of waiting, in these seasons of not knowing exactly what we're supposed to do or which pathway he wants us to take. Next week, we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, and my very dear friend Crystal Wright will be back here with us. I can't wait to join you here again next week. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you are the one who holds the keys of David. I thank you that you see everything we do, and I thank you that you have opened a door for us that no one can close. I thank you that you know we have little strength, and yet all you're looking for is that we would obey your word and not deny you. You're asking for us to be faithful to you in the things that we don't understand and in the places that we are unclear of what your will is. I pray that we would be men and women of faith thanking you for those closed doors and also waiting for you to open doors without forcing them, coercing them, or manipulating them. I thank you that you are the one true God, that we can trust you, that we can come to you in our places of weakness and say, you are more than enough. I can't open this door, God, but if this is your will for me, I will wait and I will watch for you to open up your best doors of opportunity in and through my life for your kingdom, and for your glory's sake. And it is in the strong and powerful name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for This One Thing with Carrie Kenyon Dern. Find all our episodes by clicking the podcast link located on our website at fetterfree.org.